Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Third chapter of the book of Proverbs. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Spirit. We thank you for unfolding, unveiling unto our spirits this Word that we might be doers of the Word and not hearers only, walking in the fullness of it. We give you thanks, Father God, for receptive hearts, for attentive ears and open minds, that your Word, Father God, may produce in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Here we have in the third chapter of the book of Proverbs, our first ten verses, our foundation scriptures that we've been using in our teaching, and we've outlined five blessings or promises that are ours if we meet the conditions. Blessing number one was found in verse two, and it's called longevity, long life and peace, tranquility inwardly, outwardly, continuing through old age, even unto death. The scripture reads, for length of days, long life and peace shall they add unto thee. I quoted to you the Amplified Bible. Now, blessing number two, we're going to skip down. We're not going to go in order. But we're going on down to verse five. Five and six. You will recall that we said, every believer has the promise of divine guidance. Every believer has the promise of divine guidance. Or direction. In your life. Before I read the scriptures to you, I will remind you and call your attention to the fact that we said that the promises and the benefits of God are not automatic, but they are appropriated through the wisdom of God. And we said that wisdom is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Actually, we could say it like this. Wisdom is love's ability to use knowledge. Wisdom is love's ability to use the knowledge of the Word. Now here we see in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's one. You mark that as number one. Remember, the book of Proverbs is wisdom personified. Wisdom personified. Wisdom come to life. And that's what we need. We need to have this alive within us. Now, this is our instruction. Actually, you can see here, we're going to have three things we're told to do that will enable us to be in a position where we can receive divine direction and guidance from the Father God. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, lean not unto your own understanding. Lean not unto your own understanding. Number three, In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And then number four, he shall direct your path. Notice that there are conditions to every promise. 
Notice we have five glorious promises given us here in these first ten verses, but each and every promise has a condition or conditions that have to be met before you can have the promise. Longevity has conditions that have to be met in order to obtain that blessing. Now listen to me. Longevity is not a fact. Healing is a fact. There's a fact that Jesus took your sicknesses and carried your pains. Isn't that so? That is not a promise. That is a statement of fact. It's done. It's a fact. But longevity is not a fact. It's a promise. It's a promise to those that will, as verse 1 said, forget not my law and let your heart keep my commandments. Do you see that? So you see, there's a condition to be met to enjoy the blessing of long life. It takes more than knowing how to be healed to enjoy the blessing of long life. See? And that's why this is the book of instruction. See? We have direction and guidance. We need direction and guidance so that we can fulfill the will of God concerning these blessings. Now, these conditions here, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to an understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him. These conditions, you know, sometimes I think everything happens overnight, but it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to learn to trust the Lord with all your heart overnight. This takes daily communion and fellowship with the Father through the Word. And as we daily commune and fellowship with Him, we build up in our spirits a confidence in His Word, a trust in Him, in our spirit, that even though our understanding may say something different, we know in our hearts that this is the way we should go. See? And that comes with daily, intimate fellowship with the Father God. Now, the first thing I want to say before I go any further in this lesson, lesson is that we should learn one thing in this word before we ever go on to try to study any other subject. We've got to know that our Father God is love and our Father God has faith. He is love, but He has faith and He operates, you know, in faith. And you and I are told to walk in love and to live by faith. We're to walk in love and we're to live by faith. Isn't that right? So God is love, and He operates in faith. We're to walk in love, we're to live by faith. Jesus told us in Mark eleven twenty three that faith, you know, is the law of faith is what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Isn't that right? As a matter of fact, we could just summarize and say our continual confession means our continual possession. Now, someone likes to argue when you, know, when you point out that scripture. They like to get upset and say, well, you know, you know you've taken that scripture out of context. But actually, we're not. I wouldn't change or alter one word of what Jesus said in Mark 11:23. If you're not familiar with Mark 11:23, you need to be. Look it up in your Bible. But it's the law of faith. The law of faith says, and everything we get by, is by faith. Every promise and every benefit of God is appropriated by faith with the wisdom of God. Okay? And so it says what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth. What you confess, you possess. What you say is yours. If you speak defeat and failure, you'll be defeated and you'll fail. But if you speak life, then life will be yours. Amen? Amen? So what I say, what I confess, is mine. Now, a lot of people are defeated when it comes to the area of guidance because they say, I just don't know what God's will is in my life. You can teach them and teach them and teach them and teach them and teach them, but you see, they keep on saying, I just don't know how to hear the voice of God. I just don't know what God wants for me to do. Well, just listen and you're going to get out of that. But the first thing I want you to do is realize that Jesus gave us the law of faith. The law of faith works. And I'm going to give a plug for Brother Kenyon. If you don't have Brother Kenyon's book, The Hidden Man of the Heart, 
If you have it, how many of you have it? If you don't have it, you need to get it. Open it up to page 95 and read through 111. And you'll read and study a chapter in that book that says, A Study in Faith. It is the best chapter I've ever read on faith in all my life, other than what Jesus wrote himself. You read that about five times a day for the next week, and you'll be shouting by the fifth day. Or the seventh day. I mean, you'll be shouting glory by the time you're done. Well, you'll be shouting the first time, but I mean, you can imagine if you did it five times a day for a week. We'd have to keep you down here. You'd be wanting to rapture, you know, get raptured away, like the brother said tonight. He had visions of rapture. So, before I go any further, here's what I want you to say with me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my own understanding. I acknowledge Him in all my ways. And He directs my path. He will direct my path. My Father will direct my path. My Father will direct my path. I have no problem with God's will for my life. Because my Father will direct my path. Now you just set the law of faith in motion, and what you confess is what you possess. Amen? Amen. Can you say amen to that? Well, now do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You'll be shouting it. Go over be to God. Now, why is it that we have to learn to trust the Lord with all of our heart? Well, I'll give you an example. Many times we'll be asked to do something of the Lord that doesn't agree with our head or with our understanding. As a matter of fact, you might say something like this. That doesn't make sense. The Lord wants me to do this, but that doesn't make any sense. You were, you know, were you ever there that you said, the Lord wants me to do this, but honey, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would he want me to do something like that? Me? You ever been there? Well, how about if you were Abraham? I mean, a hundred years had gone by and you finally got your little boy. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks unto him and says, uh, Abraham, offer up thine son Isaac, thine only son, upon the altar of sacrifice as a burnt offering unto me. Now, you talk about something not making any sense. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. He waited a hundred years. It took the law of faith in operation for twenty-some years to get Sarah's uh, body back into a position where she can bear a child. To get Abraham's body back into where he can produce a child. Finally, through all that faith confession, they got to a position that they can have a child. All of a sudden, God speaks out of glory and says, Now, go offer thine only son Isaac upon the altar. I mean, he probably walked away and says, That doesn't make any sense. But trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding. I know it doesn't make any sense. But as you go on and read the verses of Scripture there in the you know, book of Genesis, you find out that what he did was exactly what God wanted him to do, and it made sense in the end. It doesn't make sense in the beginning, but it makes sense in the end, and bless God, because of it, we have what we call the new covenant. Amen? Because Abraham was willing to offer up his only begotten son, the father was willing to offer up his only begotten son. Amen? Well, let me give another example. See, sometimes we're told to do some things by the Lord that you don't understand. And your, your head is battling your heart all the way. But, you know, you have to learn to lean not on your understanding and trust the Lord with all your heart. Now, I'll give you an example that I had in my own particular life, my wife and I. When I was going to school, right when we sold our home, we weren't moved out of it yet, but we were in the process. You know, everything went through and, and uh, we were ready to move. I was told to go to school. 
Well, I had uh, taken my amplifier and guitar. I had a guitar and an amplifier, and I traded the guitar in on an acoustic guitar. And I had an amplifier, which is something like this, but only bigger. And we were, you know, wanting to move into an apartment in Youngstown before we moved to our apartment in Tulsa because I sold the home three months before it was time for us to leave. So we had to get out of the house and get into an apartment and then go from that apartment to the apartment in Tulsa. Well, what I figured was, what we'll do is store our big furniture in this moving, you know, storage place and uh, leave it all, all the big stuff there and take just enough to fit in the apartment down in Tulsa. And that way we won't have everything with us because we had so much, you know, that you couldn't fit into an apartment. So, I'm over at this, this here music store on Market Street in Youngstown. And uh, I walk into the store and I, I sold my uh, amplifier and I was taking my guitar to trade it in on, a, on an acoustic guitar. And uh, we were browsing around the store and we saw this big theater organ. Now, you can imagine my little amplifier is only about this big and about this high. We are compacting to move inside an apartment. We're getting rid of our big stuff, you know, so we can make room just for the things we need to be down there in Tulsa. Well, we looked at this huge theater organ, and it was, you know, a real nice organ. And my wife always wanted to have an organ or a piano. And uh, something only inside me said, buy that. I mean, you know, look at it. We looked at it, and it was nice that the circumstances were different. I might have said, well, well I'm going to buy this because this is nice. We'd like to have it, and so on and so forth. You know, one way or another. And my wife would like to have it. So... She went out into the car and we're talking and, and she'd like to have it. But, you know, she says, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're, we're going into a small apartment. We're selling all, we're getting rid of all, you know, what we can and we're storing all the big stuff. You're selling that, that little amplifier is only about that big, a little bit bigger than that. And now we're going to buy a huge theater organ to take with us down in Tulsa? That doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, if you stop to think about it, it doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to me. But I said, honey, but I just know on the inside, right here. I said, I know that little buzzer inside there. Something down here said, go ahead and do it. Buy that, amp buy, buy that theater organ. Huge thing. Well, lean not to your own understanding. Just do what the Lord said to do. Amen. Just do what the Lord said to do. So I did. I obeyed. See, we had sold a house. We had the, the money from the sale of the house. And uh, we were going to use some of that money to pay off some of the bills and, and so on and so forth. And then take the rest of the money down there, pay my tuition, and just be set to just go right on through school in nine months with no problem. Well, it didn't work out that way. I mean, we thought it would work out that way, but it didn't work out that way. But anyhow, we, here we bought this organ, had this organ delivered to our house. The house that we were just getting, rid, you know, getting ready to go into an apartment. And we're going to take this huge theater organ into this little apartment. We had no place to put it in that little apartment. Here we are with this big, huge theater organ and no place to put it. I mean, just no place to put it at all. And it doesn't make any sense to us. But we got this huge thing. I mean, my parents thought we were crazy. I, I talked to Brother John Newsom back there. He thought I was crazy for sure. He says, I, if you're my son, he says, I, I think you're crazy too. Well, I, it seemed like it was crazy. But down here on the inside, I knew that God wanted me to do it. And so I did it. So nine months had gone by. We're down there in Oklahoma. My wife gives birth to our little baby boy, BJ. And uh, we have uh, no hospitalization because I had to give it up when I left to go to school, when I left the mill. And uh, it's getting now towards the end of the year. And uh, I knew that we had to get back home because God has already spoken to us and given us direction to come back home. So he gives you guidance and steps. And he gave us guidance that we were to go back home and uh, at least back to Youngstown. I knew that much. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like to leave any state owing any bills. Do you? 
I'm not like that. There were many left that state owing this one and owing that one and owing this one. They gave Ramah a bad name. I thought if I'd go down there and say I'm a Ramah student, I thought everybody would be happy. You know what they did? Oh, not another one of them. Yeah, because they ran out on their bills and didn't pay their bills. They ran out on the, you know, um, their rent. They didn't pay their rent. That's the name they had for some of them people down there because, you know, they just didn't pay their bills. So, here we are about ready to leave school. And uh, we have this huge bill, this doctor bill at the hospital. What are we going to do? I mean, I was just making part-time, a little bit of money. She, just, she quit working because she, she had the baby. Well, I come home one night and she says, Honey, we're supposed to sell this organ. And I said, uh, Now, wait a minute. And I says, You know, you, you wanted that. I know that. I know that's dear to your heart. I says, I know you like that thing. I know you wanted it. She said, Yes. And I said, You know, I never asked you to do that. She says, Yeah, I know that. She says, But something on the inside of me knows that we have to sell that organ. I didn't want to say it. You know, sometimes you fight it. I didn't want to say it, but something on the inside of me knew the same thing. But I just didn't want to do it. You, you know what I'm talking about? You just didn't want to do it because, you know, you finally got one. And uh, you know that you may never have an opportunity to get something like that again. A good price. And so finally, after fighting with it for a little while, I says, yeah, I know inside of me that I'm supposed to sell this organ too. I says, I know it. You sure you don't mind, honey? She says, no, because I know God wants us to sell it. She says, I know it. Although it was dear to her heart, she says, I know inside me that the Lord wants us to sell this and pay off all our bills. Now, you think about this. Had I know, I didn't know this, you know, previously when we bought this thing. It seemed foolish to go and buy that. But to us, it was like a savings. Because I mean to tell you, I thought I had enough money for the whole year. And within first, the first two months, I couldn't believe it. It just all was gone. Everything was gone. Our furniture didn't come down. We had no place to stay. We had to sleep on the floor. We had to buy our food out. We had to, you know, we had to buy pots and pans just so we could eat. And spend all the money to buy a, a box spring and mattress so my wife was pregnant could just sleep on a, you know, box spring and mattress, not on a floor. Well, someone says, why don't you go to a motel? I'm paying for rent for a, an apartment. I couldn't, you know, pay rent for a motel and for an apartment. The moving company, you know, they defaulted us. They went over the time they were allotted. You know, really, I could have sued them. They, they broke their contract. But I would never do something like that. I know you wouldn't do that either, would you? So we just did the next best thing. Went out and bought her a box spring and mattress. And she thought, you know, she would sleep on a, on a box spring and mattress. And uh, that's how we lived. And it just quickly, the money just went, you know. And here we are at the end of the year and we got this huge bill to pay for. But something on the inside of us tells us to sell that organ. So we get what is called a mini merchant. A little piece of paper like our Western advertiser over here. And... Uh, Put a, one of them little ads in. You ever see one of those little ads in those little papers? You ever see that? This is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, Tulsa, Oklahoma is huge. There's a half a million people living there. And that merchant had, you know, countless numbers of ads inside that piece of paper. I mean, just countless numbers of them. Thousands of them upon thousands of them. And so we just said, well, we'll just call up this place over here and we'll put the thing right in the paper. And... Uh, you know, just thank the Lord that it's sold. And so we prayed about it. And we says, now, Father, we, we believe in our spirits that we're supposed to do this. And uh, we're just going to follow your leading and your guidance and your direction. And we're going to sell this here and pay off all of our bills. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. We laid our hands upon it and that was it. Well, first phone call we got. Some lady had come over. She wanted to see it. She came over. She saw it. She was wanted to buy it for somebody as a gift. She came over to the house, she, to the apartment, and she saw it. And she loved it, fell in love with it. And we sold it for every bit of what we paid for down there in Oklahoma. Every bit of what we paid for it, we got out of it when we sold it. And we took the money right on down to the hospital, paid off the hospital bill, and we were debt-free when we left Tulsa, Oklahoma. But if you'd have said back then, you know, all that was going to happen, I couldn't 
I couldn't know that or even understand that. Didn't make any sense to me way back when. But you see, if you follow the leading of the Spirit of God in your heart and don't even try to figure God out, don't try to think about God up here in your head. It's not going to work up there. That's why we've got to believe God in our heart, not with our understanding. There'll be some things that, that the Spirit of God will whisper inside your spirit and tell you to do, and for sure you'll say, this can't be God. I don't understand this. Why in the world would it happen like this? See, God can see the future. God knows all the steps that in, in the path of our life. He knows everything that's going to happen. And if we'll just follow that leading and follow that divine guidance, then bless God, He shows us exactly what's, you know, what we are to do in every situation. And if it wasn't for following the voice of God at that time, I don't know how He would have paid off that bill. But bless God in Jesus' name, by following the voice of the Lord and divine guidance, it all worked out so that we could leave Tulsa, Oklahoma, not owing one penny to anybody. And I thank God for that, because I mean to tell you, we went from making something like uh, $15,000, $16,000 a year back then when I was down the mill to making $7,000 that year. You know, when you're down the mill, you've got hospitalization, you've got all these plans. Can you imagine making that kind of money, going to school, paying tuition, trying to work part-time, and then paying the hospital bill yourself? But God did it. He worked it out. Provided every need. I'll be honest with you. We ate only as the Lord provided. But you know what? The Lord provided every day. Never missed a meal. Never missed a day. Sometimes we wondered where it was going to come from, but we just got on our knees and prayed about it, and bless God, it was there. It was there every time. Divine guides. Matter of fact, there's another time I could share with you. I got on my knees and I'm praying. I mean, we didn't have a cent to our name. Not a penny. I mean, I couldn't go and get gas. I had to go to school the next day. I had to drive. I didn't have any gas to go to school. It was 10 miles one way. And so I'm sitting down studying. I've got tests and I've got this and I've got... I'm working. I'm going, I'm working, I'm going to school. Full, you know. I mean, your whole day is just work and school and then study. And sleep if you can. If you can. I was on the night shift. I don't like the night shift. I'll tell you right now, the night shift is for sleeping. Amen. I don't know how you feel about it, but the night shift, as far as I'm concerned, is for sleeping or praying. Amen. That's right. And I'm getting down, you know, I'm ready. I'm studying. I mean, this is the only time I got to study. I'm going to go to work in a few hours. And uh, I forgot I better get as much studying as I can. You know, I got up early. And this doesn't make any sense. I went to bed in the afternoon and I got up early in the evening to study before I go to work at night. So that when I get off of work at night, I can take a quick shower and go to school in the morning. But the morning is really like in the afternoon because you've been, you know, up all night. So, I'm over there by my desk and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm studying and I'm writing down and, and uh, doing, you know, whatever's necessary to do. I'm not concerned about it. I just, I just knew there wasn't any gas. I knew there wasn't any food. Payday wasn't until Thursday and it was Sunday night. And so, uh, you know, I just said, well, my father knows the need. And uh, I was studying. When all of a sudden, that's what I'm talking about right here, this guidance came. Direction came. And the voice, just not, not a voice. It's hard to sometimes witness some of these things. It's almost like a perception inside your spirit. Nobody does the talking. You just know that someone said it. Amen. You know what I'm saying when I say that? It's like, uh, you know, someone says they stood before Jesus. He didn't say a word, but I knew what he was saying. I know how to get you to understand it. It's like you mothers. When your kids are being bad, you give them that look. You didn't say a word, but they got the picture. They knew exactly what you were saying. Now, if it was like my mother, you know what my mother did? First was the look. When we were sitting in church, we were in Catholic church. When we were sitting in church, you had to be quiet. I mean, you had to not make a move. Not one move. First you got the look. If you didn't obey the look, because I knew what the look meant. If you didn't obey the look, you got a pinch behind the arm. Oh, was my arm black and blue? Oh, my goodness. 
or the leg. You know, either the arm or the leg. But see, that's like that. You know, when they look at you, you know exactly what she's saying. That, that looks like, you know, the way they look at you, it's either you better settle down or you're going to get a whipping when you get home. She didn't say a word, but I knew that's what she said. Well, when you begin to pray and, and, and uh, develop your human spirit, you don't have to, you know, hear the voice. Or God doesn't have to speak audibly to you. All you've got to do is know that in the in, inner man, somewhere on the inside, it's like as though that witness is there, that perception is there. And that's what happened to me. And said, said, I, I say said because it's like a like word saying, go upstairs and pray for Ozzy. Go upstairs and pray for Ozzy. I said, now, Lord, I said, I'm studying. I've got to go to work. I've got to get up, go straight to school. i got all this. I don't have time for all this. But go upstairs and pray for Ozzy. Okay, I back off away from the desk and I uh, put my studying down. And, you know, like I said, there's a, not time for anything but study and work and, and prayer. And that's it. And, and your family. So I go upstairs and I rap on the door and I said, I don't, you know, I feel dumb. When, just go to somebody's house and, or apartment and say, the Lord wants me to pray for you. I'm not like that. I don't like doing that. But I did it. Because someone on the inside said do it. And so I knock on this door, rap on this door and I walk in and, I, you know, you're kind of mumble. The Lord wants me to pray for you. Is something wrong? And then when they say, yeah, am I glad you came? You go, Phew. you know, thank you, Lord. I mean, you feel funny sometimes. You know, you say, I don't want to walk around the streets and say, oh, God told me to pray for you. And this one over here. How about you? Need prayer? I don't do that. Someone's looking for somebody to pray for all the time. But me, I don't do that. I like to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so I'm up there and I, and I'm, I said, my brother, what's, what seems to be the problem? He says, I'm glad you came. He says, I am ner- a nervous wreck. That's what he said. I'm just, I've got to do this thing tomorrow, Monday morning. I've got to do this thing, and I've got to, this is the first time I ever spoke publicly in front of these people. He says, and I'll tell you what, he says, I've I just been devastated by it, I just don't know what to do. I says, well, the Spirit of the Lord, inside my spirit, I had a witness to come up and just pray for you. He says, boy, he says, I thank God. I thank God that you did. And so I laid my hands upon him, and I prayed, you know, for him. And he says, oh, it's, it's thank, thank God. Thank God, the peace of God came on him. He says, I'm all right now. Thank the Lord. And so I just, okay, have a good night, brother. i got studying to do. You know, I'm thinking about my studying downstairs. So I walk out the door. I begin to walk down the steps. I'm starting to walk down the steps. He says, hey, wait a minute. I said, well, what's, what do you mean? He says, wait a minute. Come up here. He says, you know how the Lord shared with you to come up here and pray for me? I said, yeah. He says, well, the Lord just shared with me to give you this $20 bill. Here, take it. There was our mule the next day. He didn't know that, but I did. <laughs> I said, thank you, Lord. It obey, it, you see, it, it pays to obey the Lord. I mean, I didn't even have a cent to put in the gas tank. Not a penny. I, I didn't know how I was going to get to school. I wasn't concerned about it because I'll tell you what. I had to go to work. And I just had to do what I had to do. See? There wasn't enough to do anything. No food, no gas or anything. I knew I had enough to go to work. And that was about it. And I wouldn't get to school. It just wasn't enough. But you see, God supplied every need. There are many times that people miss out on the blessings of God because they don't listen to His voice. There was nothing. It had nothing to do with praying to receive money for our gas tank or for our food. It had to do with obeying the guidance of the Lord. Now, do you see why it pays to obey that guidance, that divine direction? So it pays to listen to our hearts and don't lean on our own understanding. Now, if you open your Bibles to Acts, the 27th chapter, I want you to know a couple reasons why we desperately need divine guidance. First of all, the whole world around us is lying in darkness. And before us, 
We have the pathway of life and the pathway of death. The pathway of life and the pathway of death. And we need the light, the shining light, to shine upon the pathway of our life. No matter who you are. So that we can finish our course of faith safely and victoriously. Did you get all that? Number one. The reasons why we need divine guidance. There are many, but this is just one. We live in a world that lieth in darkness. The whole world around us lieth in darkness. And before us, we have given life and death. The pathway of life and the pathway of death. Remember he said, choose ye this day, life or death. It's out there. Both ways are out there. Life or death. We need the light, the shining light, to shine upon a pathway of our life so that we can finish our course safely, our course of faith, that is, safely, safely and victoriously. That's number one. That's the first reason why. Don't you remember that, that the Bible says in John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And Jesus says, he that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness but he shall have the light of life. Then you will recall in Proverbs 16.25, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of... See, seemeth. There is a way that man thinks is right. That's your understanding. Oh, I thought I should do this. See, that's your understanding. Don't lean on that way, because that the ends thereof are the ways of what? But even though, even though, there's the way of death. Don't get, you know, shook up about it. In Proverbs 12, 28, we found out, In the path of the righteous is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no... Hallelujah. Did you get all that? In him was life, the life was the light of men. I am the light of the world, the world lieth in darkness. But if you follow after me, you shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The way man thinks is right is the way of death. But bless God, I lead you in the way of righteousness. And in the pathway of the righteous is life and there is no death. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? Well, here in Acts the 27th chapter, we find another reason why we need divine guidance. We have an adversary. He's called the devil. No, let me rephrase that. We have an adversary. He's called the annihilated, paralyzed devil. I stand corrected. Can you say amen to that? We have an adversary that's been annihilated. You're going to hear about that Sunday morning, not, not tonight. Sunday morning, the annihilated devil. Amen. That's our adversary. Who always is endeavoring to get us off the course of life, over to the left or over to the right, so that he can cause shipwreck in our course or life of faith, or our journey of faith. That's why we need to have divine guides. Now, let me show you something here in Acts, the 27th chapter. We'll begin reading at verse 9. Read a few verses here. Paul is on his journey, being bound as a prisoner to Rome. And you will recall in this 27th chapter, verse 9, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive. He didn't say, God showed me. He didn't say, Spirit of God spoken to me. He said, I perceive. In other words, that's what I was saying to you. 
I have a witness in my spirit. I have a spiritual perception or intuition that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Now here, he has spiritual perception. In other words, he has a witness, divine guidance in his spirit that is witnessing to him that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage if you set sail right now. So, in verse 11, he goes over to the centurion and he tells him what the Lord or what his spirit was telling him. See, sometimes it's hard to distinguish. It's the Lord inside you, but it's actually your spirit that's picking up on it. So it's the witness of the Spirit in your spirit, but it's not actually the voice of the Lord. See, there's a difference. And it's not actually the voice of your human spirit, which is conscience. It's just the perception. It's just the witness inside you. And you might as well mark that down right now since we're talking about it. That is the first and foremost way that God will lead you is by the inward witness. Inward witness is where your guidance comes from. But that's why we need to learn to trust the Lord with our heart and lean not on our head. Now, here he said in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, here's what the master of the ship said. That guy's all wet. I'm telling you right now, by my instruments, if you had any, you're going to make the journey without any shipwreck, without any hurt, without any loss, or without any damage. Just go ahead out there and do what you want to do. Start out right now, everything's okay. And the centurion said, well, I'd rather believe you because you're a ship, you know, man, and you know you're a seasman. And this here, Paul, well, he's just a preacher. <laughs> he's just the preacher. Well, we'll find out who's right. The preacher or this here so-called navigator. Amen. Well, let's go on down to verse 20. He couldn't convince uh, the centurion. So, they set sail. They set the course for their journey of faith, going against the witness of the Spirit in Paul. Look at what happened. Verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. A storm arose in the midst of the sea, began to toss them to and fro. See, they were on their journey of faith. But the storm arose, and they had no way to save themselves. Finally, after all these days, they said, there's no way, no way we can possibly save ourselves. There's no way we're all going to die. But now listen. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me. Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me. And not loosed from Crete to have, to have gained this harm and loss. Now hold on to that there. Hold on to that thought. You should have listened unto me. How many times did the voice of the Lord inside of us say, You should have listened unto me and avoided all that hurt and loss. But they didn't. And verse 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Now, although their lives were spared, although they did not die, and only because of Paul, or they would have died, they had much damage 
much hurt, much harm, much loss. They lost the ship and the lading. They lost everything that they had. The only thing that was spared was their lives. That was all that was spared. Although they lived and all they, although they survived, they had much loss and much hurt. Verse 23 says, For there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Now listen to me. This will, very, this will help us out a lot. If we would listen to the witness of our spirits, many times they would never need to be a manifestation of the supernatural or spectacular working of God to help bail us out. Here they got bailed out by an angel of God that appeared to Paul because of his, you know, steadfastness in the faith, because of his faithfulness, appeared to him and said, you're not going to all die, you're all going to be saved, but you're going to lose everything else. And the only reason why that, that angel intervened was because Paul was a faithful man. And Paul would not have left and begin his journey of faith and set sail because he would have hearkened unto the Lord that had a witness in his spirit. You say, why didn't Paul just say, be still, and the whole storm stopped? Well, because the Lord gave him divine guidance and instruction aforetime, telling him that this was going to happen. This wasn't something that the devil, you know, did directly. This is something that the Lord knew was out there was going to happen. He was just, you know, giving him direction to avert it. But they wouldn't hearken unto it. So out there, Paul had to do what he had to do. That was seek the face of God. He needed to seek guidance. It wasn't going to work by saying, peace be still. He sought guidance of the Lord, and the angel came to him and gave him supernatural intervention. As I said, that supernatural intervention would not have been necessary had Paul hearkened unto the... I mean, had they listened to Paul in what he had witnessed in the Spirit. Isn't that right? That, now, that, listen to me. Many times. There are many, many, many lives in the body of Christ right now. Many lives. Not just a few. Many lives that would have been spared, shipwrecked, hurt, damaged, calamity. Many marriages that never would have suffered hurt, damage, and calamity. Many bodies, physical bodies that would have never had to suffer sickness or disease. And I mean, many business deals that would have never gone down the tubes. Many people's finances that would have never been hurt. Many, you know, losses that would have never had to have been suffered needlessly had we listened to the still small voice of our spirit and avoided shipwreck on our journey of faith. But because they would not hearken on divine guidance and direction, either through the Word of God or any other way that it could come, many believers have had shipwreck on their journey of faith. And I say this with sincerity in my heart. They suffered it needlessly. Although their lives are spared. In, in some cases, in some cases they're not. They suffered much hurt and much damage. Much hurt and much damage needlessly because they didn't hearken unto God. Now, you see why we've got to learn to listen to the Lord with our heart and not rely on our head, our understanding? Those men didn't understand this. We couldn't hold them responsible. They only went by their understanding. They only went by their knowledge of the sea. You know, what's this preacher know? He's a prisoner, let alone, you know, he's a, he's a crook. What's he know? He doesn't know anything. But you see, he had spiritual perception. He had a witness of his spirit. He had divine guidance. It happened just like the Lord said it would happen, just like He knew inside His Spirit. But praise God's divine supernatural intervention came because of Paul. Now, the story would have read, had Paul not been on that ship, that the ship set out for sea, and everybody was lost, the ship was lost, and every life on board was lost. That man was a centurion. There was a hundred people on that ship. Over a hundred people. You can imagine that. Imagine that. Well, 
I don't know about you, but I want to avoid damage and shipwreck on my life of faith. How about you? Matter of fact, let's look at a scripture. See, this here second reason was you have an enemy arrayed against you. Now, there are many ways that the devil will come and try to, you know, destroy your life. That's why we need to have light on our path. There are many ways he'll try to destroy your life or to take your life. And I'm not saying that so you can be frightened by it. No, not at all. Look at Philippians, the first chapter, verse 28. Whenever you set sail, and you, you need to know this, whenever you set sail for your journey of faith, whenever you get out on that boat and you're ready to take off in your journey of faith, you've got to know that you're going to have an adversary that's going to challenge you every inch and every step of the way. You've got a head that's going to challenge you every inch and every step of the way. Your understanding is going to challenge you. Your head's going to challenge you. The devil's going to challenge you. Your adversary's out there to challenge you. You are out there in faith. You're out there. The whole world lies in darkness and you've got one light, one shining light that's out there that says, go this way. And your head goes, me? But you know that the spirit bears witness with your spirit that that's the way to go. And so you step out there by trusting him with all your heart. Like we did with that organ. And we've, did it, you know, we've done it many other times in many different ways that, Lord willing, I'll share them with you. But here's what I want to point out to you in Philippians, the first chapter, verse 28. Your, your enemy is defeated. The devil has been destroyed. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified uh, Bible. Verse 28. Although he's out there, although you know he's arrayed against you, although you started your journey of faith... And you know that the, the maniac is out there endeavoring to do something to get you off your course of faith, to cause you to shipwreck. Look at this. And do not, for a moment, be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them of their impending destruction or perdition, as the King James says, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that comes from God. Although your enemy is out there, although he wants you to have a shipwreck on your journey of faith, don't be intimidated for a moment by him or any of your cohorts or his cohorts or any of your opponents. Don't be intimidated, not in the least. Your fearlessness to stand before him in faith, believing God and his word, is a token that he is defeated, he is destroyed, he's declining to his end and to you of your salvation. Deliverance by the hand of God. Amen. So don't even be intimidated by the devil. Can you say amen to that? Don't even be intimidated by the devil. Well, let's look over here. I'm going to give you a perfect example. I don't think of any, I can't think of anybody that would be a better example than Jesus in Matthew, the third chapter, to speak of concerning this. When he began his journey of faith, Jesus set sail for his journey of faith. He was ready to take off. He was ready to go. And I want to use him as, in his life as an example as to how we can have divine instruction and guidance from the Lord concerning every step in our pathway of life. Not just one step, not just two steps, but every step that you are to take, one step at a time, you can have divine guidance and instruction from the Lord. If you learn to trust Him with all your heart. Look at verse 15. Here, Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all what? 
All what? Righteousness. To fulfill all what? Righteousness. And the pathway of the, right, of the righteous is what? And there is no what? Jesus set sail to, to do what? He consecrated himself to set sail to, to do what in his life? To fulfill all what? See, your consecration to walk with God was your setting sail on your journey of faith to fulfill all righteousness in your life. Amen? In other words, you're right standing with God. You're in right standing with God. And you set sail to fulfill everything that's in right standing with God for your life. Now, I've set sail to do that and you've set sail to do that. You have your head to contend with. You've got an enemy to contend with. But don't be concerned about that. Just learn to trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Okay? Jesus is setting sail in his life to fulfill all righteousness. Now, the Father... Let's go on and read the rest of it first. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven, uh, heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus set sail to... Uh, Fulfill all righteousness in his life. He started his journey of faith. He said to John, John, I know that you, as he said, have need to be baptized with me. He says, but I must fulfill all righteousness. He got baptized by John. That was part of his righteousness in the water. He came up out of the water. The Spirit of God came upon him. He was, you know, anointed from on high with the Holy Ghost. Lighted upon him. A voice came out of the glory world and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All these things are events in his life, let's say in his pathway, that was fulfilling the righteousness of his life. He was going to be baptized. He was going to be filled with the Spirit. He was going to please the Father. See, these are steps of righteousness. Every one of these steps are important. Now, I want to show you something. In John's Gospel, the 13th, uh, 16th chapter, you're going to love this. I don't know about you, but I got blessed. When, when this came up in my spirit. Jesus started out his journey, but he was not going without the Holy Ghost. He was not going to fulfill righteousness without the Holy Ghost. He saw need to have the Holy Ghost to come upon him and anoint him to fulfill his work of righteousness. Can you say amen to that? Okay. He knew the importance of having the Holy Ghost. So at 30 years old, although he was waxing strong in spirit, growing up in wisdom and so on and so forth, he waited until he was anointed from on high with the Holy Ghost to start his journey of faith to fulfill all righteousness in his life. All things that would please the Father and be in right standing with the Father. Okay, John 16th chapter, verse 13. Here we see that the Father God is so concerned about our lives. He's so concerned about my life. He's so concerned about your life that He has given and sent unto us our own personal travel guide. Our own personal travel guide. I mean, some people are just, they just don't know which way to turn. They just don't know which way to go. You know why? They never got acquainted with their travel guide. Did you ever go into a foreign land and you don't know anybody there? You don't know which way to go or what to do? It's good to have a travel guide, isn't it? Somebody that knows the way to go. Somebody that can take you there without you having to hunt all around to try to find it. Well, the Father is so concerned about our lives, like He was so concerned about Jesus' life, that He sent the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, to be a travel guide to guide us in the way of truth. Here in the 16th chapter, verse 13. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. But when He, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will guide you. See, you got to be acquainted with the travel guide. 
Can you say amen? amen. You have to be. Amen. He didn't leave us in a world of darkness, on a pathway of darkness, without any light to shine upon the pathway. He sent us the Comforter. Look what he says here. He will guide you in all truth, the whole full truth. He will not speak of his own message, of his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that, that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. Can you say that with me together? The Holy Ghost. Is my travel guide. He will receive a message from the Father concerning my life, the things that are now, and the things that are to come, and He will transmit it to me. What I confess, I possess. Ooh, you're on your journey. Hallelujah to Jesus. Everything that the, verse 15, everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he will take the things that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit them unto you. Man, I'm in line for that. Now, go back to the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. And let's look at verse 16 or 15 and read right on through some verses and verse 26. Verse 16, beginning, I will read from the, I'm, I'm sorry, 15. I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible. You can follow me. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. That sounds like Proverbs 3.1, doesn't it? Okay? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. You talk about having a crew on your ship. Oh, glory be to God. What a crew on your ship. That he may remain with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take in its heart, because it does not see him, nor know and recognize him, but you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I'll not leave you orphans or comfortless or desolate or bereaved or forlorn, helpless. I will come back to you in the person of the Holy Ghost to be your travel guide. Verse 26. But the Comforter, that is the Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Stand by the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall. He will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. You talk about having a travel guide like that. I mean, can you imagine the magnitude of that direction and guidance from the Holy Ghost that He's about to give to us? I mean, the Father's so concerned about our lives, He loves us so much that He has given us this travel guide, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, to come into our lives to lead us in the path of righteousness so that we can avoid shipwreck on our journey of faith. We can avoid hurts, harms, damages to your marriage, to your family life, to your bank account, to, to your bodies, any area, any facet of life, any incident, whether it's a major one or whether it's a minor one, you could learn to hook up to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will say yes or no and lead you in the way of righteousness, lead you in the way of light where there is no death. I like that. Amen. Amen. That's what he said he'd do. But now notice, notice this. This comforter, this helper, this standby, he has come to lead us in the way of life. Now, are you ready? His ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. That's how you're going to get familiar with your travel guide. He's going to lead you by the wisdom of God. And in Proverbs 3.17, we are told that her ways 
are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. When you didn't have that peace inside your heart, you shouldn't have taken that step. That wasn't the way of the Lord. He's going to lead you in the way. The way of righteousness is the way of peace. Okay, with that thought in mind, I want to show you something. The first thing that the Holy Ghost was to do was to convince or to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, how does he do this? He doesn't beat somebody over the head with the word. He comes along very quietly, very peaceful-like, and he shows the goodness of God. The Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Well, the first place out of darkness you had to come was by the way of the light. Out of darkness into the light. The first leading you had into the light was of the Holy Ghost. See, the travel guide came when you were still in the world of darkness. You know what he did? He very pleasantly, very peacefully just bore witness inside you. Came, just came and brought the word and, and quickened that word inside you when you asked Jesus to come into your heart. He very softly led you the way of pleasantness and peace and you got born again. Isn't that right? Now think about that. So if you're out there trying to lead somebody to Jesus, beating them over the head with the Bible, that's not the way of pleasantness and that's not the path of peace. Your travel guide, the Holy Ghost, is going to lead you into all righteousness. And the first step of righteousness was the born-again experience. See, Jesus' first step was to fulfill all righteousness. That was His consecration. So your step in fulfilling all righteousness in the pathway of life is you need to be born again. If you're not born again out there, you need to be born again. And the Holy Ghost will be your travel guide to lead you into salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Step number two. If you've not been baptized in water, someone says, I don't know whether I should be. When I was a little baby, I was baptized in water. But now I don't know if I should be. Now I just got born again. Should I get baptized in water again? I went through the same thing. Other people that were baptized as babies went through the same thing. You asked this guy, they said yes. You asked that guy, they said no. You asked this one, they said yes. Yes, that one, they said no. Forget about it. Don't do this and don't do that. Did you ever ask the Holy Ghost? He will lead you in the way of righteousness to fulfill all righteousness in your life. I sat back and I says, okay, this one said do this and this one said do that and this one said do this and this one said do that. I sat back and you know what I said? I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that little something on the inside said, so sweet, so soft, so pleasant, said this. When did you get born again? Just recently. What does the Bible say about the new creation? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things have passed, all things become new. So when do you think I take into account when you began to exist? I said, when I got saved. He says, when should you be baptized? I said, right now. Thank you. Don't lean on your own understanding. Go get baptized. I did. I, was, I, was, I jumped in that water faster than you could blink your eyes. I was willing to fulfill all righteousness in a hurry. I mean, quick. Man, I was down at that... That preacher, I called that preacher right on the phone, right down the street over there. I says, when can I get baptized? He says, anytime you want to. I says, right now? He said, yes. I says, I'll be right there. Bye. Didn't tell nobody in the family. Not nobody. Just my, my, my wife and my daughter. That's what I want to get. They took them down, to the, you know, down over there to the church and said, let's do it right now. That thing was like a frozen lake. That, I don't know when they cleaned that thing last. It was the frozen lake with, with uh, scum all over the top of it. I mean to tell you, there was weed, seaweed inside that thing. And I figured, well, that guy walked down there. I could walk inside that water, too. I'm all set to go. I mean, I just put on a pair of cutoffs, and I said, I'm ready. I've been fighting with this thing to be baptized for a long time. And I didn't know to look at the witness of the Spirit. I was just some preacher. He said, don't forget about it. I called this one. They said, forget about it. This one said, you better do it. And this one, I said, well, what in the world am I supposed to do? He walked up. I didn't know he had boots on. 
walking there with hip boots on. That guy had hip boots on. I didn't know that. This was in the wintertime. Like now. It was below zero outside. It was freezing inside that water. And I just made a mad dash for the steps and went, shoot. And he said, take your time. I was already too late. It was at the bottom. I got there and then it hit me. Man, I was like a, you know, thermometer went, just like that. And I said, whoo. And then he threw me back in the water. I said, glory. And it wasn't, it was just glory. I got out of there as fast as I could. I mean to tell you, I was willing to fulfill all righteousness in my life. Now, I'll tell you something else. You may be out there right now, and you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't speak with other tongues. You know why? Because you've not listened to your travel guide. The travel guide is speaking to you tonight. It says, when you go to the store and buy a pair of shoes, the tongue goes with it. Don't cut it off. I can't give you chapter and verse for that. But I'll tell you what. It's scriptural. The Holy Ghost, when you get the Holy Ghost, you have a right to speak with other tongues. You say, how do you know for sure? Just right here. My travel guide on the inside. You think he's going to lead me on one course and you on the other? To fulfill all righteousness. That's why he came. And if you listen to him, not only will he lead you into the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, he'll lead you into renewing your mind. He'll lead you into presenting your body, consecrating your body. He'll, present, he'll lead you into... Um, Healing and prosperity, He'll lead you into every incident of life. No matter big or small, He'll lead you and guide you so that you can establish and fulfill all righteousness in your life. That's what He'll do. No matter what area it might be. Oh, glory. We're just getting started. Well, that's all right. I got a lot to say concerning this. But I I, I don't want to get to where we can't get it all. He said... He said, trust in the Lord with your what? With your what? Lean not on your what? In all your ways acknowledge who? See, you shouldn't have been acknowledged this one, acknowledge that one, acknowledge it. Acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I wanted to get into the adversary and, and, and put a knot on his head tonight, but we we're going to wait till next week to do that. That's okay, devil. we give you some more another way. Amen. But we're going to show you how the adversary comes to attack your righteousness. Are you ready for that? I want you to know something right now. And I'm just going to give you a drop a little nugget. Brother, that's okay. You could, we could end it there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.